you know, if we make it a program, it won't work. It doesn't work the way it's designed to work if we're moving in programmatic ways. Uh, sometimes I have pastors come to me and that's, that's what they ask for. They say, hey, I want help with disciple making, but I don't want a program. Right. Because they've tried so many disciple making programs that just don't get the results that they're hoping for. back to the Practitioner's Podcast, where we're applying Jesus-style disciple-making to everyday life. This episode is powered by Navigators Church Ministries, which focuses on helping churches make disciples who can make disciples. For more information, check out navigatorschurchministries.org. Justin, how are we today? Hey, we're doing good. It's cold outside, but we're not out there. So. <laughs> and the sun is shining, which is always nice. Amen to that, especially in the winter in Dayton, Ohio. You know, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is um, what we talk about the the disciple maker scale when it comes to intentionality and uh, relationships, right? We talk about intentionality and racial and relationally, and and I, I was wondering, you know, because sometimes we can look at all of this stuff and it it can feel a lot like a program, but it, it's not mm. really designed to be a program, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely not. In fact. You know, if we make it a program, it won't work. It doesn't work the way it's designed to work if we're moving in programmatic ways. Uh, sometimes I have pastors come to me and that's that's what they ask for. They say, hey, I want help with disciple making, but I don't want a program. Right. Because they've tried so many disciple making programs that just don't get the results that they're hoping for. Uh, Tony, in fact, it wasn't long ago I was talking with a pastor who had just preached an incredible sermon on disciple making, had cast vision, given an invitation to the church with some specific next steps. And, and I actually saw it and he did a great job. Um, and then a couple, few days, the week after somewhere, um, he heard from, from one of his people that um, somebody's really upset by that. Mm. And uh, probably for the reasons that we're not expecting, but they were upset because they felt like it was it was a programmatic approach to disciple making. And so, interesting. yeah. So I went back and I looked at it again. I was trying to figure out, okay, well, what's going on here? And I think it comes back to uh, a quote that was given by a, a sociologist uh, probably 30 or 40 years ago named Marshall McLuhan. And he said, the medium is the message. And so in that church service, the pastor, again, shared a great sermon around disciple making. But then he, he talked about it in terms of some next steps for people to grow. Okay, so once you're in the church and you're connected and you're in a life group or a small group, um, you know, you might think about being discipled. And if you're ready for that, let us know, you know, tell somebody that sort sure, of idea. Yeah. And so I think for some people in that context, it felt programmatic because the medium, everything around it was programmatic. And we face the same struggle when we're in a discipling relationship, whether it's with one person or a number of people. And the problem comes if we are not living in life-to-life -life ways with them. So I don't know, what's, what's your take on all that? I just said a mouthful. but Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that um, even, even in our podcast, right, if you've been a long-time listener, first of all, thank you. If you're not a long-time listener, hit that subscribe button so that way you can be. But even, even as we talk about disciple-making, it can feel like there's a bunch of steps to it. Right. Step one, step two, step three. But it, it's not really 
um, it's not really that clear. It's much more, like you said, right, life on life. One of the expressions that we both love to use is more is caught than taught. Mm-hmm. And so yep. uh, here's a great example. I was um, deployed, and uh, the people that you are deployed with become your immediate family, right? Like we're doing life together. We're trying to figure out how to survive our current environment. We're, we're doing all those things. And that was never more true than when I got really sick on deployment, right? And so I get mm. I get really sick on deployment, and my wife's not there to take care of me. My mom isn't there to take care of me. I just want my mom. When I I'm just really want sick. my mom, right? <laughs> Nobody's there to take care of me, and so I'm dependent on my unit, my squad in this case, mm-hmm. um, to to take care of me. And 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 what happened was is that my leader, my boss, was the one who came over to get me well, hmm. right? And brought me the medicine and like, and, and this, this did two things. One is it cemented our relationship as family forever. Hmm. And he showed me, he didn't, he didn't use any words. Mm-hmm. He showed me what it meant to be a servant leader. He, he taught me through his actions and, and that was, uh, spoke louder than any word possibly could. So what was it about the things that he did that communicated so clearly to you <clears throat> those things that you took out of that experience? I, I, I think, you know, it, it was going above and beyond, right? Okay. It's not, it wasn't just like, hey, I'm dropping off medicine at your door, but hey, I'm coming in. I'm going to take out your trash. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help you. I mean, at this point, like I was really <laughs> sick, right? So like, I'm going to help you take out your trash. I'm going to clean up your room a little bit. I'm going to walk you to the bathroom because so, I felt like I was... I was dying. I'm going to save everyone the details, but but it wasn't a good it wasn't a good scene, right? Right, and so he was there to go above and beyond, and and it was that um, it was empathy. It was almost like he was in, you know, sitting in the mud puddle with me mm-hmm. in that moment. And so you had prior to that, you'd established some relational norms, yeah. And this experience showed you. It sounds like that. That he cared for you even beyond those relational norms. Yes, that's that's a great way to say it, that he was willing to go above and beyond, not because he had to. Right, right. This, there was no like, you know, the, in the army there is no like regulation that says you have to take care of a sick soldier. But he he loved me enough to take care of me and not uh, you know, not just let me suffer. And and I wonder in our in our disciple making relationships in the church family, right? Mm-hmm outside the church family, your neighbors, who do you love enough that you'll take care of them when they're really, really sick? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good picture of what life on life looks like because it's it's intimate, it's vulnerable, it's messy, and it's it's kind of all over the place. I mean, yeah. I mean what's no, your experience? Yeah, I love that. I love that picture that, that you just communicated to us because it does show that, right? That that there's more to it than just, um, you know, work relationship in, right. your, in your situation. But for disciple making, a lot of times what happens is when people set up a rhythm of meetings and whether you're meeting and discipling one person or you're doing two at a time or three at a time, like there's a rhythm to your meetings. And the rhythm kind of carries the relationship in a lot of ways. And if we never get outside that rhythm then we never really have a chance to show them uh, what our life looks like outside of that setting. And most of the time, the settings are sitting down somewhere in a building, 
you know, across from each other or yeah. in a small circle or something like that. Um, and that is a different picture than what Jesus gave us, right? So we talk about uh, discipling Jesus style. Well, I go back to Mark three fourteen, when Jesus invites the 12 into discipling relationship with him. Uh, the scripture says about that time, it says he appointed 12, designating them apostles that they might be with him. Mm. And so in disciple making circles, we call this the with him principle. Because the first call that Jesus gave to those, those disciples was, hey, I'm calling you to be with me. And then we see that play out through, through the scriptures and the gospels where wherever you see Jesus, you can just assume that the disciples are right there with him. And a lot of times it explicitly says that. But then the last part of that verse is uh, that also that he might send, that, send them out to preach. So the relationship came first. The mission was secondary to the relationship. And so in disciple making, I think it's super important that we keep that, uh, that same sort of priority in focus because like you said, more is caught than is taught. So how do you do that, Tony? How do you do it in your relationships or maybe well, you had I, something else to throw in there? Well, I, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about that, the scripture reference, I was thinking about when um, the, the gentleman came up to Jesus and said, hey, I, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, come, I'll show you where I sleep. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to show you where I work or, hey, I'm going to show you where I do miracles. He said, I'm going to show you where I sleep. And there's an intimacy in that that just I find so appealing. Mm -hmm. Now, in today's world, um, if you said, hey, let me show you where I sleep, I think people would get a little weirded out by that. Yep. Um, but, you know, I sometimes I think it's okay to be a little weirded out. Uh, in this particular case, maybe pull back just a little bit <laughs> and, and look at it from a more... Um, you know, relational in context today. So I, I think, you know, for me, I usually meet with guys either every week or every other week. Okay. And and I think it's important to to be in regular prayer for them almost, you know, immediately, right? Mm -hmm. So when I'm discipling someone, I'm praying for them, praying for them by name. And I do that because one, I believe in the power of prayer. And two, because it changes my heart around the person. Hmm. And mm -hmm. so I want to develop intimacy with the person. And in order to do that, I have to get over myself. Right. Yeah. Because intimacy is about vulnerability. And you, you know this, right? Yeah. Like intimacy is a, about vulnerability. So when I begin to pray for someone on a regular basis, it creates vulnerability because I'm, I'm lifting them up to God. But in the process, God seems like he's changing my heart. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, and the other part with intimacy, it's often inconvenient. Yeah, right, right. right. Especially when we think about our modern life today and all the things that we kind of balance and juggle. And for you and I, with with kids at home, and you know, trying to balance being a good father and a good husband, and you know, the work that God's called us to, um, it's difficult to find pockets of time mm -hmm. to invite those guys into, right, for some with him time. And so, I think. The other part of developing intimacy in today's world is, you know, those connection points, right? Yeah. So even if it's a text here or, you know, a quick phone call, those sorts of things, uh, we just have to do the best we can. But to be honest, I mean, this is one of the, the areas that I, that I struggle with from a time perspective. Sure. Because when I was, you know, a young disciple maker, um, you know, single... Uh, working on campuses, I had tons of time to go and hang out with guys that I was discipling and 
we would take trips together and we would do lots of stuff together and and just the the balance of all the responsibilities I have there's no way I can get that level of with him time right now or at least I haven't found it yeah and and, and it's really difficult and I, I think one of the one of the things that every disciple maker will have to wrestle with is what's my priority or who's my priority? Because in different seasons, different people might have different needs. Mm-hmm. So a guy that I've been meeting with once a week for the last couple of years, we meet really early in the morning. We meet at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. We do breakfast. We do it every week. Mm-hmm. And that is that is both our intentional time and our with him time. Right. But we have a weekly rhythm, yep. right? Now, the some of my other guys who I'm discipling, for example, they are more on an every other week rhythm. And so in between there, I got to shoot texts. And, you know, for me, I'm a sports guy. So sports are, are an easy place for me to, to do a connection that has nothing to do other than saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. And I think that you'd like this because I like this. And I know that, you know what I mean? Like I'm just right. building the bond. Sure. Right. And sure. so, you know, we'll, we'll text back and forth about basketball or football or um, I, I really want to try to do a dive into someone's life a little bit. So mm-hmm. if, if I know that their kids are doing something, I may check in on that. Those kind of like, hey, this is more than just me wanting to make a disciple so that I can check the box when I get to heaven. Right. I really care about you and I care yeah. about your family and I care about your needs. And like um, moving is a great way to show that, right? You show up to help somebody move and right. well, you've demonstrated now that you really care about you're, that. You're there. That's right. Nobody wants to be helping Nobody with that. Nobody wants to be helping with that. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, though, is that if we are going to help somebody develop character, which we talked about in a previous episode, right? Character development is a part of disciple making. If we don't see them in different environments, then it's really hard to see where their character needs are. Yeah. Right? And so I used to say, well, I want to see a guy playing sports and I want to see a guy working. And I can tell a lot about character from those things. And I would add in, you know, if they're a parent, seeing them with their family, right, around their kids, around their wife, the way they're interacting, um, you know, there's just a lot there uh, that you can really gain an understanding of who this person is that you're trying to help grow into maturity. Um, And so that with him time is super important. But Tony, you said something earlier. You said that more is caught than taught. How, how do you know that that's true? Why do you believe that? I, you know, I think more than anything, my kids are a constant reminder to me about more is caught than taught. And, and there are a couple things that happen that make me think about this. One is um, I, at various seasons in my life, and I don't know if you operate the same way, I'll have different sayings that I'm saying. Right. And so um, one for me right now is I've been saying holy smokes a lot, like (laughs) holy smokes, Uh you know, and and I don't even know where it came from or where I heard it from. And then all of a sudden I'm driving my son to basketball practice and he's in the back seat with our carpool people. And he looks over and he goes, holy smokes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, my son. No, he caught Uh, it. He caught it. He got (laughs) it. Uh, What else do I need to say or not say as a result? (laughs) You know, Um, right. And in. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting. My my middle son, for example, he came home the other day from um, school and they had indoor recess. And I said, "Son, how was indoor recess today?" And he goes, "It was really good, Dad." I was like, "Well, what'd you do?" And he was like, "Well, I listened to your podcast." Wow. And I was like, 
which podcast did you listen to? And then he, he told me the episode, and I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> and and uh, I was like, well, what'd you do that? And he was like, well, he is, I, you know, you talk about it a lot. I thought I should listen to it. And I was like, oh, man, I got to be really careful about what I, I, I talk about. But right. it's, it's an important reminder. With Kids are little mirrors. And, and I think if we remember the idea that we're raising spiritual children, Mm-hmm. It's the same principle, right? How have you seen it play out? Yeah, that that reminds me of a time where, you know, I was discipling a guy. I was 23, 24 years old and discipled him for two years. Um, We went lots of trips together. I went down to his grandparents' farm and we went boar hunting together. And and yet we're meeting every week in a a formal way. And I was teaching him lots of uh, really important concepts and principles around disciple making. And then it was time, I was about a month out from, from moving, and I was going to be moving from Texas to Ohio, so it was a transition point in our, our friendship. And I asked him, I said, hey, you know, let's just reflect on the time and what God has done between us. Um, what's, what's one thing you're going to really take away or maybe the biggest thing that you've gotten out of our time together? Now I'm on the edge of my seat asking this question. I'm sure you're question. thinking like super profound. Like, oh right, this because is going to be the most pr- uh, affirming thing ever in your ministry. Yes, because I had in my mind I given him so that. much value, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I'm just waiting. And he's thinking, and he says, "Well, I think it was that time when when you admitted you were wrong." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, you remember we got into this argument, and you know it was over the scripture passage, and." You know, we talked about it for 10 or 15 minutes, and and at the end of it, you just stopped, and you're like, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> and I, internally, I'm like, what? It's that? But what he was showing me was that that was a time where he really saw my heart and saw the humility that I had, and that was a, a struggle for him, uh, that area. And, um, and so I realized that I wasn't even trying to yeah. teach him at that point. And so it's like the same thing with your kids. They're catching sure. things that you're not even trying to give them. And so, again, more is caught than taught. And what happens when we don't do life on life is they can't catch what's not observed. Yeah. Right? And so they're only catching what's taught in those more formal meetings. Well, and, and also to you know kind of go along with that, think about this, is that if, if disciple-making is solely around the intentional meetings, then we miss out on a lot of the fruit that comes from the intentionality. Mm-hmm. Let me say that another way is like the the life on life part is the is the reward, yeah, for the sacrifice of pouring into each other, and and the the commitment to the character. The you know it's I love watching someone who who God has brought into my life change their marriage. Mm. I, I love watching them change their relationship with their kids. I love watching them see the scripture in a whole new light and develop mm-hmm. a deep personal relationship with Jesus in a new way. And and if you're not doing life on life, you're going to miss the best part. Right. Yeah. Boy, I love that. Right. We also miss the generational aspect. Yeah. So if you're talking about those concepts of families and parenting, the way that they parent, when you impact that, you've not only impacted their kids, you've impacted the way their kids are going to parent, right? And so that sort of generational thing, we can get a glimpse of when we have these sorts of relationships that go deep and that function 
in the margins of our life, in the ordinary spaces, and not just in the more organized and formal spaces of, of a disciple-making meeting. So, man, Tony, I love this. This is fun to talk about, super important, more is caught than taught, uh, the life-on-life aspect of disciple-making relationships. Can you share with us, kind of take us out with our takeaway and action step for this week? Yeah, the takeaway um, kind of goes right along with Moore's Caught and Taught, and it's effective disciple-making must be life-on-life. Effective disciple-making must be life-on-life. And the action step this week, hey, invite the person that or persons that you're discipling to do something socially with you, right? We're basically, we want you to do something fun, go out and, and do a little with him kind of activity, get connected, do something like that. Uh, and hey, we would love to hear how it goes. Shoot us a note. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook, wherever, social media-wise. And uh, and we'd love to hear some of your thoughts on, on how disciple-making is going for you. We are so appreciative to be on this journey with you, and we can't wait to see what God does. Hey, please do us a favor. Subscribe. Leave us a rating review on iTunes. And uh, we just passed, Justin. I haven't even told you this yet. We just passed over a thousand downloads. All right, that's so, awesome. Uh, we're moving right along, and and that's all because of you, the listeners. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and we look forward to bringing you a new episode next week.